Today's reading is Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Imagine that you are in page 1093 of my Bible. I could turn there and find you, actually, and if you get to the right page, I'm still in Jude. Page 1093. It's very, very specific. If you, if you obviously don't know your, your page numbers, your Bibles, it's, it's Acts chapter 2. And I want you to imagine not just that you're there by, by turning to it in your Bibles, but, but more than that, you're, you're there because as I read it, I see your name, that you were actually there, which, which means you've had that incredible experience of, of following Jesus and, and seeing him being raised to life again. You've You've seen him return to his father in heaven. You've been one of those who was, who was standing there, staring into the sky. And an angel had to kind of snap you out of it, bring you back to earth again. And you've been with the other disciples in Jerusalem, waiting and waiting. Knowing that the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke of was going to come and bring power and equip you. And it means you were there that day in the house when suddenly, the, if you like, the, the doors burst open and it was this, the house was filled with the sound like a, a blowing gale. And then what looked like uh, flames of fire appeared above your head and the heads of everybody else in the room. And then you started to speak. And as you were speaking, it was, it was your words, but they were in different languages as you declared and spoke of the wondrous things God has done. And of course, when stuff like this happens, a crowd comes together. Of course it does. What's the first thing a crowd does when it gathers at a spectacle? Stares. And they go, what is going on? And so you look around at everybody who's with you, and it turns out all their eyes, they're on you. They're looking to you. You're going to be the one who's going to have to say something. What are you going to say? We maybe worked out that at this point you're in the shoes of Peter. You stand up and you are about to give the very first sermon of the Christian church in history. 
What Bible passage do you choose? Where would you go? The thing is, the, the accounts of Jesus' life, well, they've not been written down yet. You can't go there. The New Testament letters, well, they've not been posted yet. You can't go there. You've got to go Old Testament. Where would you go? Now, if you know Acts 2, uh, you'll be going, well, I would go to Joel chapter 2, because that's where Peter goes. And he says, what has been going on is, is what you find in Joel 2, that these are the last days when God promised to, to pour out his Holy Spirit uh, on his people, uh, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why is that happening now? Because there was this Jesus of Nazareth. A man accredited to you as being from God who did miraculous things, some of which we've just heard already this evening. And he was put to death by being nailed to a cross. And yet God has raised him to life. Death could not hold him. Then Peter says, page 1093, Acts chapter 2, verse 25, if you want to follow along. He says, David said about him, about Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy ones see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Sound familiar? Good. Because Greg just read it. So those final four verses of Psalm 16. So for Peter to prove that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He reaches back into the Old Testament, has a rummage and pulls out Psalm 16. Peter says, David, who wrote Psalm 16, well, he is 100% dead and buried. He says to the crowd, you can go down the road, you can go and visit his tomb. He's been there for a very long time. Which means the Holy One, or the Faithful One, who who isn't going to see decay, must be somebody different. That David was speaking of a future person, one of his descendants, according to God's promise to him. And Peter says, that person is Jesus. The one who himself had been 100% dead. He'd been shut up in the grave, and yet three days later, he was alive, walking himself out of the graveyard. All that means is that those who put their faith in Jesus, make their lives all about him, become joined to, attached to Jesus. And what's true about him, that he's alive, that he's passed through death into life, becomes true of us, you and me. We have that future hope that we will pass through death into life because we're, we're joined to Jesus. If, if you like, we're on a very long tow rope and he's the recovery truck. Now, I realize it's, it's taking quite a, long, a few moments to get to Psalm 16. Um, I think it's worth taking the time, because I think it's really important for us to see that Psalm 16, ultimately, is a psalm that looks forward to Jesus' resurrection. And that really matters because of how Psalm 16 begins, which is not on page 1093. It's on page 549. Now, look how it begins, or listen to how it begins. Keep me safe, my God. For in you I take refuge. We don't know what was going on for David in, in, when he wrote these words. Sometimes in the um, little inscription of, uh, uh, below the, um, the psalm number, we get a little explanation of what was going on. All we're told is it was a miktam. And nobody knows what a miktam was. Um, but the fact it starts, keep me safe. 
suggests David was not anticipating an easy ride, that life for David was not simple or easy at this point. We don't know what was going on, but perhaps it's a reminder for us that the Bible is familiar with life as we experience it, as you experience it, as I experience it. Because aren't there many times when we find ourselves in that position? Keep me safe, God, because of what's going on in our lives. Maybe it's the times when money gets uncomfortably tight for us, or, or work is beyond difficult, or the lack of work is beyond difficult. Maybe it's the, the painful or broken friendship, or relationship, or marriage. Maybe it's the physical health condition or the mental health condition that you just somehow seem to have to live with even though it feels impossibly difficult. Or or maybe it's just simply looking ahead at the week and going, I have no idea how on earth I'm supposed to get all that's to be done done. Or the past hurts or experience of abuse that just feels raw even though it was years ago. Or just the fact that walking out of the door tonight into the world feels confusing and complex for you. Whatever was going on for David, whatever's going on for you and me, Psalm 16 tells us that there's a place of safety, a place of refuge that we can take, God himself. Now, those of you who are local and have been here for a long time, I I know you will know the old railway track uh, that runs at the... I'm going to point in completely the wrong direction. I want to say it's over there. Am I pointing in the right direction? I am! Yes! Uh, the old railway track. And if you get, I can get to it from my house really easily. I often go down into the fields and have a run along it. Uh, it sort of pops up on Covert Lane. Um, and as you run along it, there's no track. There's a couple of old bridges. But as you come to it, you find the old Ingersby train tunnel. Um, one end, the far end, is, is just buried in soil. Uh, and the front end has been um, clad in, um, in metal. And of course, people have gone, ooh, wonder what's behind there. So there's a hole in the metal. And you can climb in. Am I the only one who's done it? No, of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. Many barbecues have happened there. There were a lot of lockdown parties down there. Not mine, of course. Uh, but I did stumble across a few as I went for a run. Um, and as you're in there, you, kind of, you can just about see the silhouettes of the wall and the, and the markings on the wall. And you kind of go a bit further in and you, you kind of get the sense of actually how terrifying it would have been if you were in that tunnel and you heard a train coming. What would you do? And you you look again at the walls, and and in the silhouettes, you just see that there's a sort of bit of the wall that's set back in an arc shape. And you realize if you were a railway worker and the train was coming towards you and trains run along there, what would you do? Step back into it. Let the train pass. That is a refuge. That's what a refuge is. Psalm 16 invites us to step into a refuge. Whatever whatever you're facing, uh, and it's not an archway in a railway tunnel, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the refuge Psalm 16 is talking about. And I think as we stand in that refuge, as we stand in that safe place of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we get to join David in in, in saying three things from this psalm that aren't easy to say, but if you like, we we grow into being able to say them as as we walk through life with the risen Jesus. The first one comes in verse 2. Apart from God, I have no good thing. Apart from God, I have no good thing. I mean, first sight, that feels really hard to say, doesn't it? Apart from God, I have no good thing. Does that, does that mean there are no good things in our lives, really? Or that we're not really allowed to enjoy anything? Well, notice how David phrases it. He says, apart from you, my God, I have no good thing. 
the good things that we do have in our lives, well, they're, they're gifts from our good and generous creator. He's given us them to be enjoyed and to be enjoyed rightly in the way he's designed. They're good because he says they are good. And to really enjoy the good things in life is to enjoy them with God in your life. And, and there's a little bit more that we can say. If your life now is joined to Jesus, who's been raised from the dead, you've been brought into the ultimate good life. And one day when Jesus returns, that, that the fullness of that good life will be unfolded and it will go beyond our imaginations. Right, right now we have God's presence in our life, his Holy Spirit helping us to enjoy the good things, to experience God's presence in our lives. Nothing of that is, is what we could achieve by ourselves. But there is still more to come. Just look how Psalm 16 ends. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. As we find ourselves saying to God, apart from you I have no good thing, our lives begin to get shaped around what's important to God. And we find ourselves delighting in God's people. In verse 3, David describes them as the noble ones, in whom is all my delight. You know, go back to that picture of standing in the railway arch and the tunnel as the train goes past. And, and just imagine you, you step backwards for a moment. And as you do so, there's just a little voice in your ear that goes, ouch, it's my toe. And you discover you're not the only one there. Isn't that the truth for us as we take refuge in the risen Jesus? We are not the only ones doing it. In fact, today on, on a Sunday, we, we gather with millions of others around the world, down through history. We found refuge in the risen Jesus. We delight in one another. That means if you're finding it hard to trust the goodness of God, or you're finding it really hard to be able to say, apart from you, God, I have no good thing, our tendency will be to take ourselves away from God's people, to sort ourselves out, and then we rejoin. And I want to say we've got that completely the wrong way around. If you're struggling, you're in the right place tonight with others who are trusting God. He can speak of his goodness. We're able to say, apart from you, God, I have no good thing. Because the temptation would otherwise be to run after the things that, that seem like they'll make life a bit easier, a bit simpler, a bit more straightforward, a bit more manageable. And for a moment, these false gods, ultimately is what they are, will deliver something. But they'll demand everything. And they will completely disappoint in the long run. That's why those who run after them in, in verse 4, are described as those who will suffer more and more. So David distances himself from that. He runs after the Lord. Taking refuge in God through the resurrection of Jesus means we can say, apart from God, we have no good thing. It also means we can join in David in saying, verse 5, which says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. It's probably not language that you and I are used to saying or hearing. Um, but it conjures up this, this idea of finding our contentment. Whatever comes our way, because we have God. Just as maybe later on you'll have your, a, a bit of food and a cup of tea. You'll satisfy your hunger. You'll satisfy your thirst. Uh, so in God we find satisfaction for our souls. He is our portion. He is our cup. When the Israelites settled in the promised land, they were each given a a portion of land, an allotted place, a pleasant place for them, a delightful inheritance to pass on. 
And so the same is for us. All that we need for life, all that we need for the future is found in God. This is the point where all my notes have gone out of order. And I've lost my thought, but we'll get there. Yeah, that looks good. Let's go there. Remind that all that we have comes from God. He's the one above everything. And ultimately, in, in saying, the Lord alone is my portion and my cup, we are saying, if everything of my life was stripped away tomorrow morning, I would still somehow have everything that I need. That does not come naturally to say, does it? Which is why I think David goes on into verse 7 and he says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. To have contentment in all situations is something the Lord has to teach us by his word. Notice um, when David talks about um, his, his heart teaching him, he's not saying, you know, like Disney says, just be true to your heart. Whatever your heart says, go with it. No, he's saying it's a different. It's, it's the fact that he's hidden God's word in his heart for these very times so he can draw from it like we, you might draw water from a well. Remember, they, just think of those things that keep you awake at night. What's your solution in those moments? Is possibly switch on the light, make a cup of tea, um, settle yourself back, read a book, uh, reach for your phone, start scrolling, watch Netflix. Actually, David says the solution is to go to God's word, his voice above and over every voice to lead us to that place of contentment. Apart from God, I have no good thing. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. And the last thing we can say as we take refuge in Jesus is with God at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. When you belong to Jesus, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God is at your right hand. And he, you can turn to him and at any moment and he's there. He's not like those phone calls that you make. Uh, where you get an automated voice that says, your call is important to us. So please wait for a very long time until we pick up the phone. Or it goes, I'm sorry, our phone lines are currently closed. Please could you call back between 9.30 and 3.30 on every third Wednesday of the month. Or, or when you send a WhatsApp message and you, you see that it's been delivered, but the person has not looked at their messages since 5 o'clock yesterday morning. And you just, come on, God's not like that. He's at your right hand. He is there. He's by your side, leading, your, leading you through all that life throws at you. And David says, I will not be shaken. Doesn't, doesn't mean nothing bad's going to come his way. But it's not going to tear him apart from God. Because when you belong to Jesus, you will never lose God. God cannot be taken away from you. You have the ultimate protection, even through death itself. Which is why David keeps his eyes on the Lord. He says, verse 8, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. If you've ever had the experience of learning to ride a bike or teaching somebody to ride a bike, you know there's basically two rules. Keep pedaling! Look where you're going! And if you've seen me with my youngest recently, that is what I've been shouting quite regularly as I'm running with this sort of weaving little one on a bike. Because if you're cycling along and, and you start looking across the road at what's happening, what happens? When you start going straight towards it, you travel where you look. And that's why David says, I've set my eyes always upon the Lord. We take refuge in God. 
We take refuge because of the resurrection of Jesus. So we look to him. He's the one who has passed through death into life. He was the one who did not see decay. He's the one who's been raised to life. And if we are joined to him like that tow rope to the recovery truck, so it will be true for you and for me one day. And in that day, we move from taking refuge in God to resting secure forever. David says, verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. And perhaps our hearts and our tongues this evening need to be able to say, maybe for the first time, maybe, maybe because they need tuning again, to be able to say, apart from God, I have no good thing. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. With God at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, this evening that you would keep us safe. And you would keep us safe because you are our God. You are the God who's raised Jesus from the dead. And we belong to him. And it's in him that we have taken our refuge. Amen.